We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Zach Wilson, he's lost confidence in himself. The team has lost confidence in Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's lost confidence in his footwork, his mechanics, what he sees out there. I can't tell you when he's going to get that confidence back, but they're not going to put him back in until he regains that. And the team, they don't have confidence in Zach Wilson. When he went and he talked and he apologized to them this week, they felt he was contrite, but it also was like the first time they felt they met the real Zach Wilson. There's just a disconnect there. Expect the Jets to move on from him after this season. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was Fox Sports' Jay Glazer, who kind of, Chris, in the middle of what was kind of a boring afternoon of football, just drops this bombshell that I think didn't catch many people off guard because a lot of people already consider, like, it we assumed it, it. We assumed it. It just, it didn't get as much run as I expected it to. Right. Well, I mean, he is an absolute failure. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's more shocking, that the Jets could be moving on from a quarterback they drafted number two, or that no one seemed to notice or care. Like, I, don't, I don't know if like the national media is giving more attention to the fact or that I think there was more of a ruckus made by the fact that Derek Carr your your proclaimed elite quarterback, Derek Carr, has been benched for Jared Stidham for the remainder of the season. That's getting more like national run and recognition. Well, it's the Raiders saying that they're interested in draft position now. Derek Carr getting benched has nothing to do with Derek Carr playing on the field. You don't think so? None. None whatsoever. To me it feels like no. it feels like a crappy coach trying to back the Greyhound over somebody. Yeah. He is not going to start because they now care about draft position. And I, I don't know what their dead cap hit is if they cut him, but it's a manageable dead cap if they cut Derek Carr, which 
I would assume that's what the Raiders are going to do, and that's probably what's best for Derek Carr. Would not be surprised, though, if he does end up in New York. They actually have the out in his contract next year. He has a $34 million cap hit, which is $5 million in dead money tied to him. So it almost seems like a foregone king. Like, this is a precursor type move, isn't it? Yeah, makes sense. The funny thing is, it makes sense financially for them to do this. For the Jets, it it wouldn't make financial sense because quarterbacks are still an asset. Like, yeah. How bad do you have to be? And kind of like like how I just kind of uh, I characterize what's happening out in Oakland as a bad coach needing a scapegoat. You have the almost complete opposite situation in New York. You have a coach who at one point had a team that was in position to potentially be leading the his division, who everyone knows has a strong defense, has talented players who are rookies who are putting up a pretty impressive floor. You, you don't even know where their ceiling might be. And at the same time, there's this one albatross that they're stuck trying to carry, which is the quarterback. It feels like that is way more justified, right? Yeah. So it's just weird to see how this all plays out. And it's also weird to see that how many weeks, Chris, did we spend calling the AFCs maybe the best division in football? What's the win-loss record over the last three weeks? I think the Bills are the only team to win. <laughs> Jets and Patriots are now below 500. The, the Bills are the only team in the division to win a game for three straight weeks. It's like, all right, maybe we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Maybe? Possible. The place to start this disaster of a podcast is at the bottom with some company who's very familiar with being in this position, Mr. Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. Mr. Scott Mason, whose Jets lost to the Jaguars 19-3. to Scott, I know you go to these games. Please, please, please tell me you weren't there in person. Oh, I was there, buddy. Oh. I was there. You know I was there. <laughs> oh. It like, was it was rough, man. I'll tell you. You know the funny thing is though, it was sort of like the weather conditions when the Jets played the Bills up in at Orchard Park. It, it wasn't that cold. It was just gross, you know, with the hail and all that stuff. But it really was a metaphor for what happened on the field. And you guys know this. I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago. As soon as Mike White's injury got revealed and they said he wasn't going to start, I said you go with Flacco with Strevler out of the wildcat for a couple of plays because Wilson was not ready to be on the field. He had been out for three weeks. You don't fix a guy's fundamentals in three weeks. And if you put him back on the field in that condition, he's going to fail and the fans are going to lose their minds. And then you're going to have a situation where instead of being able to sell the fan base on, we're shutting Zach Wilson down. We're going to redo him. We're going to retool him in the off season. And then we're going to bring him back Next year, now the fans are never going to buy that. They're never going to go for that. And you've ruined Zach Wilson's confidence to the point where I don't know if he ever ends up playing for the Jets again. We'll see. But I knew that was going to happen, and it's exactly what happened. And thankfully, they're not compounding the error the error now because they did announce that Zach Wilson is basically done for the year. Flacco will be the backup the rest of the way. Because, look, let's let Flacco be the sacrificial lamb. You're not going to win with Flacco or Wilson. You don't want to risk damaging Wilson worse. Who cares about Joe Flacco? The guy's got one foot in retirement. So that's really what that game was about, Drew. Unfortunately, 
that's a game that with even reasonably competent quarterback play, that's a, a competitive game. Hell, look at what happened. Chris Strebler, a CFL quarterback, if he throws that pass on the money to C.J. Ozama instead of almost throwing it in the dirt, that's a touchdown, and the Jets are down by one score with an entire quarter to go. It's one so of the more was, frustrating things I've ever seen. See, yeah. while you were there at the stadium, I was at home finishing work on my basement. I was like, I'm finishing my basement bar. I'm putting the finishing touches on it. This place is going to be nice. It's going to be a solid hangout for me. My friends really want to come over and drink. I watched that game. And I'll tell you this. It might have been one of the ugliest football performances I've seen nationally televised. It was bad. And I'm talking, like, I watched that Black Eyed Peas halftime show in 2011. That was better than what I saw out of your offense. (laughs) 74 yards through three quarters was Zach Wilson. They pull him out of the game. Chris Streveler's first drive. For a quarterback who doesn't throw the ball, he gets 84 yards. Right. That's pathetic. Yeah. And you could see. You know, we talked earlier about Wilson on Wilson crime. You could see the body language. Garrett Wilson had... He's had fucking enough of Zach Wilson. And so this game plays out. It ends. Jay Glazer breaks in on Sunday as we're all sitting around watching what should be a nondescript day of football to report during halftime of the Dolphins game that the Jets will move on from Zach Wilson in the offseason. Well, to be fair, that that that's the impression he gets. He didn't say that he has any concrete information, but yeah. So now here's my question to you, and I alluded to this as I was texting you. The Jets lose this game. Now their playoff hopes are basically hinging on a a Mike White miracle. Like, that's it. You need the Mike White miracle run. Here we go. It's this or nothing. The quarterback decision that's going to come, they're going to have to draft a quarterback. (laughs) Or, or... With Chris, today's Derek Carr news. Yeah. Can we talk about it? The, uh, the the outs in his contract and all the other stuff. You know, We talked about it at the top of the show. The fact that there is an out in his deal this year. This move to bench him and tell him to leave the facility seems like a precursor to that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the Jets, <laughs> and we can get into this too, but I think the Jets absolutely have to be in on Derek Carr. They have to I mean, be look, in on a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, and I keep trying to tell Jets fans this, you and I have discussed this many times, but a lot of Jets fans are like, oh, Derek Carr, he's nothing special, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. You know what? If you can find a way for the Jets to get Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or something, I'm all ears. But those guys are not walking through the door. So you have to look at this and say, this is a team that realistically can compete right now. And you need a quarterback who can at least show you that he can play at a competent level. Say what you will about Derek Carr, and he's got his shortcomings. But this is a guy who's been a top 12 to 15 quarterback for about a decade in the NFL. Consistent, doesn't miss games. He had a bad year. I think a lot of that has to do with the, um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was a bad fit with Josh McDaniels. And so clearly he's going to get released or traded and the Jets should absolutely be in on that. And we can come back to that in a second. But as far as Mike White, I'll be honest with you. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it's a miracle. I mean, can they beat the, uh, a floundering Seattle team on the road? 
Sure. I mean, they can do that. Can they beat a Miami Dolphins team that looks like it might not even have its starting quarterback in week 18? Yeah, it's possible. And certainly the Patriots losing to either the Dolphins this week or the Bills uh, in Orchard Park the last week of the season when you would assume the Bills will still be trying to lock up home field advantage. I don't see that as a miracle. It's certainly not something easy, and it's not necessarily something I go to Vegas bet my life savings on. But if Mike White plays somewhere close to what he did before he got hurt, I don't think it's an impossible task. Now, I'll tell you this much. It absolutely is something that I didn't think they were going to have any opportunity to do after I sat in that terrible weather against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so now (laughs) my joke was on Twitter. I posted a tweet that said uh, the Jets playoff hopes as of 4.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Christmas Day. And it was the Undertaker sitting up out of a coffin because (laughs) the Jets went from no chance to, okay, now maybe they've got a chance and we'll see. But getting back to the quarterback situation, look, Mike White's got an interesting opportunity in front of him here. If he kills it the next two weeks and the Jets get in the playoffs and then they make some sort of run, maybe he's got a chance to really be considered for the starting job next year. If not, we'll see what happens. I mean, look, I'm sure the Jets will try everything to go big game hunting. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably fairly unrealistic just because of the nature of the contract. There's no way the Ravens are letting Lamar Jackson go anywhere, so you can forget about that. I doubt Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, or Jared Goff are available. Brady, I would certainly consider it. I don't know if he would want to do it. But as as I was saying with Carr, and you and I joke about this all the time, the thing is Jets fans will will constantly say, you got to get it. It's not good enough to have a, a guy who's middle of the pack or blah, blah, blah. Okay, listen, go watch what we've been seeing out of quarterbacks for the Jets for the last 15 years, really since Chad Pennington blew out his shoulder. Other than 11 games of Brett Favre before he blew out his shoulder, the quarterback play has been atrocious. And you can go back and look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, and everybody talks about that season in 2015. He really wasn't that good. He threw a fair amount of touchdown passes, but if you look at the rest of what he did, he got he threw a ton of intercept. You know the drill with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You oh guys no, we know that. the right we know the Ryan Fitzpatrick experience. Yeah. So so what what I always tell Jets fans is, and and you I know you guys like this analogy, but it totally fits you. <laughs> Instead of spending all your time chasing the supermodel that you'll never get, in other words, how many times are you gonna go into the draft, especially now with a team that can win? What are you going to do? Go into the draft, throw all your chips in the middle of the table and hope that some kid you draft is going to turn out to be awesome. Okay. You could do that. Or, but, but you when you could, well, look at the, look at the learning curve. Josh yeah. Allen is the preeminent quarterback in our division. He didn't get there until the third year of his career. Right. And Tua, that's what I'm saying. This so year, you it took the right coach, the right system, a ton of star power around him at wide receiver and two years of learning. This roster for the Jets looks like it's built to to do things right now that other teams can't. And that's why I'm saying, Drew, if you have if you have a way to get a superstar quarterback, I'm all ears. But since I don't think that's happening, like I said, you can chase the supermodel that's unattainable and get nowhere. Or you can ask out the cute girl that lives uh, lives next door who will probably say yes to you because you guys get along. And that's really kind of how I look at Derek Carr. Like, 
yeah, people can say it's settling, but you got to be realistic. The Jets are going to have to look at options realistically this offseason. And when you look at it, look, Jimmy G has missed 40% of his games the last five years. I like Jimmy G. I think he'd be a perfect fit here. He uh, he knows the offense at a Ph.D. level. My friend Alex Rollins jokes about that. He's somebody that you can win with and build that offense around. He's not great, but he's solid. And, of course, let's just be honest about it. That dude's face on a billboard in Times Square, I mean, that's money in the bank. So I think that would be good, but the problem is he can't stay on the field. So you can't really go that route. And then you look at the other options, and you're like, I don't I don't think they're going to be able. So Derek Carr is the guy that, to me, at this moment, makes the most sense. And somebody said to me, if you're a Jets fan, how do you sell Derek Carr after he gets benched for Jarrett Stidham? I'm like, that's an easy sell. You just say this. You go, look, this team is a quarterback away uh, getting consistent quarterback play. They're a quarterback away from being able to really make some noise. And we felt like adding a 31-year-old three-time Pro Bowl quarterback, we we felt that that was something that would really help our team, really take help take us to the next level. We think he's an excellent fit in our system. We think he was a bit of a mismatch last year where he was, and we're excited about the future and where we think Derek Carr can take us. Jets, you can pay me for my PR services later, but that's really <laughs> what it comes down to. And look, if you can bring back Mike White as the backup, awesome. Now, this could change if Mike White plays out of his mind the next couple of weeks. But other than that, he's played six games. He's been hurt twice. And look, he's looked pretty solid in the games he's played, but the sample size just isn't there. You can't risk this roster on a guy who has such a limited sample size. Again, if he has some sort of crazy run, maybe you consider it, but that's why you really got to take a look at this. And, yeah, you'd love to have Josh Allen. By the way, did you guys see that story? I don't remember who wrote it, but it was it, it was Josh Allen and how he t- was talking to Brandon Bean and Bean wanted him to. Oh, and he goes, rec- bring back Bartley. You yeah, give me Bartley back, I'll go get you Von Miller. Yeah, and so the recruiting pitch to Von Miller was, come on, man, you know how easy it would be for you to destroy Zach Wilson, Tua Tugavailoa, and Mac Jones for the next five years or whatever it was. And then, and you look back at that and you go, okay, Derek Carr might not be Aaron Rodgers, but he's not, Josh Allen's never going to talk about Derek Carr like that. That is a really fair point that I think resonates not just with Jets fans, but also with Bills fans. It's like, look, it would at least be punching in the right direction. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Scott, I, after watching that game, I was I was I was numb. I'm like I don't know how they do this. I don't know. How Scott sits out there in the stands for this every week, and then I thought to myself, "Well, I've done this. I've watched this before. Our recent success has just kind of made me forget about it." It's why I think that you're uniquely qualified to talk about this stuff, and I love having you on the show every week to go over it. You guys have a real task in front of you here as you continue this uphill battle towards the playoffs. Where can people find you on Twitter and where can they follow all of the run up to it? Uh, you know, find your shows, find Play Like a Jet. Why don't you run us through it? Great question, Shelton. And if you don't know what that reference is, please Google Great Question Shelton and you will find it. It's a hilarious story involving Vince McMahon. So, first, I want to say before I get into all of that, as always, I appreciate you guys having me on. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again next week. But I wanted to say for all your listeners who I would imagine 99.9% of them are Bills fans. Look, 
I get you don't like the Jets. I'm not saying you should. But I'm hoping that you kind of like me. And I'm hoping that you maybe hate the Jets less than you hate the Dolphins and the Patriots. So if one of those three teams has to make the playoffs, I hope that at least for my sake, and because you think I'm entertaining on this show, I hope you think I'm entertaining on the show, you're pulling for the Jets to get in over the Patriots and the Dolphins. And so the way that that would happen is the Jets have to win in Seattle this week, and then the Bills might have to help out by beating the Patriots in Week 18. So what I'm saying is I hope you're pulling for the Jets over those two other terrible, dastardly organizations, and I hope that the Bills can help out the Jets the last week of the season if the Jets need it. But you can find the podcast, which is going to have a lot of information in the next couple of weeks. In fact, actually, you guys will laugh. I did something similar to the AFC East Roundup this week a little bit. Had on Henry McKenna, who covers the AFC East for Fox Sports. And we kind of went around the horn and broke down the scenarios and where everybody sits right now and how everything affects the Jets. So that shows up right now. Corbin Smith, who covers the Seahawks for Lockdown Seahawks and SI, he's coming on this week to break down the Seahawks. And we'll even have a fun discussion about whether or not Tariq Woolen belongs in the Rookie of the Year discussion, the Defensive Rookie of the Year discussion with Sauce Gardner. You can find the show anywhere where you download podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, whatever other thing you use, Apple. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. The website is PlayLikeAJet.com. We got great stats up there, courtesy of Haley English and a bunch of other stuff. Some great All-22 breakdowns on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash PlayLikeAJet. Gentlemen, as always, appreciate it. Wishing the Bills some luck this week against the Bengals. And I really hope that they have something to play for in Week 18 because, look, the Bills – Jets needed them to beat the Patriots earlier this year. They came through. Jets needed them to beat the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. They came through. Going to need the Bills to come through a third time, and I really hope they do it. So that brings us to the New England Patriots, who, you know, Simonelli, you 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 guys just couldn't do us a fucking favor, could you? You just couldn't seal the deal on this one. You lose to the the Bengals 22-18. I was like, is is this going to happen? Is this going to be the best Christmas ever? Like, the Dolphins lose and embarrass themselves. In in the process, win me my fantasy game. I'm going to the Super Bowl. I already won cash now. I've already got cash in hand. The Bills won. Nice. Win the division. Oh, the Bengals are going to lose. And they're going to basically gift Buffalo, like, the inside track to one of the top two seeds. Couldn't seal the deal. What happened there? Uh, well, Ramondre Stevenson tried to play hero for the second week in a row and came to bite him. He was trying to get some extra yards and got the ball stripped. I, you know, the old teams would have would have won this game <laughs> with their eyes closed, but you know, this new version of the Patriots seems to find every way to lose. Well, this is what's crazy to me. You guys had the worst first half I can even imagine for a football team, like on offense. No drive went more than five plays. Not a single drive. So, obviously, you keep feeding Cincy the ball, they're going to score. You get six consecutive punts before you get your first points. What changed in the second half when you guys finally put a touchdown drive together? Like, what did you see on that touchdown drive? 
Uh, it was probably one of their first legitimate drives that they've had, you know, uh, I'd say probably in about six or seven weeks. <laughs> um, keep, keep in mind that the other two t- drives, well, excuse me, the other two scores, one was basically on a throw into triple coverage where the wide receiver lateraled the ball, tipped the ball uh, to uh, Jacoby Myers for a score. And then the second one was a pick six um, uh, by Marcus Jones. So uh, it, the score may say 22 to 18, but if you're counting really what the offense did, it's more like 22 to six. I, it, they got blown off the field the first half. Cincinnati went up another field. Burrow had 250-something yards pass, I think, and three touchdowns in the first half. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I think Cincinnati just got bored the second half. I really do. Like, it, 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 they didn't stop them all day. And, and people say, oh, gee, the defense didn't give up any points to the second half. You know, they held them scoreless. You gave up 472 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. Don't go patting yourself on the back <laughs> as a defense. I'm sorry. So, um, I don't know what adjustments were made, but no points were scored from Cincinnati. You know, I, there were a couple of plays of Cincinnati. You know, there was a third one they got called. There was a penalty that was called. They dropped a touchdown pass. So, you know, it was that type, type of second half. When I think about this team, and I think about what the Patriots are now. There's a lot of, like you just said, stop patting yourselves on the back. I feel like things have gone in such a way where they're still, because I mean, you guys are, I still, I keep seeing these articles. You know, we're still in the hunt. We're still here. We're right on the edge. Patriots fans clinging to everything possible to try to feel good about the scenario, try to feel good about the outcome of this game, try to feel good about where the season is at. Realistically, how far of a departure? Because you just hit this. Old Patriots teams would have found a way to win this game. When a team just went to sleep and let you guys claw your way back, when the defense is all of a sudden getting turnovers and playing some inspired football, when all of a sudden the Bengals realize, oh shit, we got to go back to work, and they can't start the offense back up as quickly as they thought they could. And you guys are literally knocking on the doorstep of this giant upset win. Like this team is such a departure from everything. The Patriots have been over the course of the last, what 20 years yet. There's still fans who want to talk about this. Like, well, if we just retool this and if we just do that, do you think that these narrow losses are doing more harm than good in terms of giving your franchise the ability to look at them and say, well, if we just tweak, we don't need to tear down. We don't need, we don't need new leadership. We don't need a real GM we, who oversees a coach. We just keep plugging away with what we got, and eventually it'll come together. Do you think that this is more harmful than good long term? Oh my god, it's terrible. I mean, this is what keeps me up at night. I literally roll over at like three thirty in the morning, and I'm like. Oh God! Is Bill going to talk Robert into Robert Kraft into saying, you know, Matty P's got a year under his belt, and if we just bring in an offensive line coach, I think he'll be okay if he ah! just dedicates himself to coordinating duties. <laughs> like I, that's the stuff that keeps me up at night. Like Chris, and you know, God forbid, which which it's going to happen. They're going to make the playoffs because the rest of the AFC is going to throw up on themselves like they do every year, and he's going to go to Robert and say, "Hey, we made the playoffs," and I'm just going to die. It's the, I love that that's the nightmare scenario. I also love that, Chris, that meme of the woman laying in bed, and she's like, I bet he's thinking about another woman. Yeah. 
That's Christian. That's Christian, except he's thinking about Bill Belichick. He's like, oh, my God, this guy is going to fuck this up for me again. And then in that cloud to the right of my head is is the face of Bill O'Brien. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Bill. Don't worry, guys. Bill O'Brien's back to save the day. Don't worry. It's all going to be better now. (laughs) Holy shit. So here's a question. Because, again, you're talking about what's going to happen if the Patriots make the playoffs. Would it disappoint? Like, this sounds like a crazy thing, but making the playoffs would seem to kind of exacerbate the problem that you guys have is that structurally as a franchise, there isn't Belichick has no accountability. Do you believe that there would be if they're able to like, if they miss the playoffs, will there be significant enough changes organizationally that you think that they inevitably over a year or two could write the ship? Yeah, I I just don't know how the organization, I don't know how ownership, and I really don't know how Bill can look at this and say, if we just tweak this, I, I really don't. Like, I, it, guys, because it's been that bad, they're in the bottom third of every major offensive statistical category that you can come up with. I, I, I just, I don't know how you could put, run it back. And I'm not an all-22 guy. You know, you guys have all the guys on here that come on here, the Mark Schofields of the world, all, all the guys that come on and talk about the All-22 and, and what spacing is supposed to look like. I'll give you a, a quick snapshot of that. Um, Johnny Smith basically Randy savaged uh, um, uh, Hunter Henry this week in <laughs> autoplay. Like, they, they weren't even supposed to be near each other, apparently, the way that the play is designed, and he just took them out. So, and that's not the first time that that's happened this year. Like, I'm not a play caller or a play designer, but I'm pretty sure that when the play calls are called and the plays are designed, it doesn't call for two wide receivers or two tight ends to run into each other in the middle of the field. Chris, Rick Dennison. That's happened a lot this year. Rick Dennison. Chris was at the game with me. It was 2017. Sean McDermott's rookie year as a head coach. He hired Rick Dennison as his very first offensive coordinator. There's a heat. it It was the infamous heat game. The heat wave game here in Buffalo, where it was like a hundred and played Denver. It was like a hundred and three degrees in the stadium. It was like a hundred and ten at field level. The stadium ran out of water. It was a mess. Uh, Chris, remember I scared that guy when we tried to do our half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that because I yelled and this guy got scared behind me. Made one of the funniest faces I've ever seen. I watch the video still sometimes when I'm bored, but, but. In that game, Rick Dennison, I called it in the seats. He ran a pass play on third and long where somehow all three wide receivers ended up two feet away from each other. And I go, what the fuck is this? This is not NFL football. It can't be. This guy has to get fired. And everyone's like, Drew, you're being an overreactionary. You know what? And the first thing Sean McDermott did as soon as the season ended was he fired Rick Dennison. He was like, this guy fucking sucks. Yeah, I... I and, and, and a part of me is like, that's what I hope, uh, I hope happens it, it, with, with, with Bill and Maddie P. Like, but to, to be honest, I don't know any coach here that's ever gotten. Seriously, like there's never been a press release. So there's never been a press conference where an offensive coach has been terminated. It's always sort of an amicable parting. And I just think, you know, the Patriots are very PR conscious. They don't ever want to look like they fired someone. Let, people just kind of just drift away. They just kind of just drift away. And I think that I hopefully that's the case here. Um, 
You know like that's I said, how, I, did you know it, that's how I used to doesn't. date? Like that's how I used to date. I used to not like call it immaturity, but I <laughs> drift and I, away. And I know, well, and I know, Chris. I know what you're talking. Like Chris is probably looking at me, going, "Wait, Drew, you had to push women away." Like I, he's like, I look at you every week. You, this isn't the face of a man who's a, like, like I'm not. I don't have the face, body type, or personality to be a womanizer. I just don't. But nonetheless, I get into an entanglement with a female. And eventually, just immaturity, just what I'd be like, listen, I'm tired of this, but I don't I don't want to have the messy breakup conversation. Instead, what I'll do is I'll just basically go to sleep on you. I'll just start not showing up to things it's called ghosting, not even ghosting. I'll yes. show up, but I'll just be visibly disinterested when I'm there. And by the time I'm done, by the time I'm done neglecting you as a person, You'll be so mad at me that you'll dump me and feel totally vindicated about it, and I'll never have to have the conversation with you. You'll just drift away. You'll just eventually be like, I met somebody else. It's not you. It's me. It's I just want different things, and you don't say. And I'd be like, no, no, I totally understand. I hope you're happy with whoever else you met. I do, but And, and it's the best because in my head I go, I'll never have to have that hard conversation. I'll be able to let these women and then they'll never reach out to me again because they'll be like, that guy was such a dickhead. I'll never like, I hate him and they're totally justified in thinking that <laughs> it was terrible. It's immature. And it sounds like that's the way the Patriots handle these offensive things. Yeah. I, I really think that's how it is. Um, I, you know, Fred Kirsch on, on a, a Patriots.com, um, he, you know, says it best. They have the Patriots on a filtered podcast. He said, we're not watching an NFL offense. We're just not watching an NFL offense. We don't know what it is, but we're not watching an NFL offense. And it was funny. Somebody else on uh, today on the show brought up uh, Joe Judge when he was terminated from the Giants and John Mara's comments on Daniel Jones. And I quote, We've done everything possible to ruin this kid since we've drafted him. And they just happen to hire Joe Judge for two years. <laughs> oh, no. So it makes all the sense in the world to bring him in as quarterback coach for your second-year guy in Matt Jones. Why not bring him in? Sure. He ruined one. Um, but that's how bad it is here. It really is. I just I, – I, deep down inside, the ownership to me is going to say, look, um, time to make a significant change here. What, what's the plan? And then I think the conversation gets interesting. Does Bill say, yep, there was a disaster, you're 100% right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, or no, this is my team, I want to keep Matty P, and then <laughs> then we have a discussion. Well, and to your point, like that becomes more difficult of a conversation if they find a way to make the playoffs, because he's going to be oh, able God, to make yeah. excuses for how he made it. Now you have an upcoming game against the Miami Dolphins and Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> so you know what's going to happen. At home against Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to win this game. Oh, yeah. They're going to win that game. Bill Belichick against backup quarterbacks is a juggernaut. He's going to throttle this oh, yeah. poor kid. The team, everyone's going to get all fired up again. Chris, we kind of showed like in critical moments how bad the Miami Dolphins run defense is. Mm -hmm. In their game here. We ran it down their throats when we had to, and that's how we won the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe that you guys win that football game, and then you come into Buffalo in a week where, hopefully, 
with a whole bunch of things sewn up. The Bills have nothing to play for when we rest our starters. You guys go out there with your starters and win that game, and now we're talking about the the playoff New England Patriots. It it would be a thing of beauty. It really would be. If only for the – like, I, I like you, so I almost don't want to see it happen to you, but also it would make for amazing drama. You know, I'm actually – I don't know what I'm more mad about, whether or not they're going to make the playoffs or whether or not my prediction of only seven wins is going to be true and they're going to win more than seven. I can't decide which one I hate worse. <laughs> Christian, we love it. Thank you for joining us as always. I can't wait to talk to you after this. This game, like if you guys lose to Teddy Bridgewater, that's a sign that things have gone off the rails. So it's going to be interesting oh. to get back together next week and do this. Where can people follow you on social media in the, in the meantime? It's always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me at Chris with the T-I-N on Twitter. Give me a follow. I'll give you a follow back. And like I always say, you can bathe in my misery. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now, Chris, as we come out of break, I'm going to need a new, I'm going to need a fresh beer for this. As we welcome in Elf Artiaga to talk about the Miami Dolphins, who lost in the most mind-numbing fashion I've ever seen a team lose a football game. They lose to the Packers 26-20. Elf, I almost performed a welfare check on you after that one. I, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I don't get too. I don't get upset. I'm contrary to popular belief. I don't get too upset since covering the team. You know, I talked to a lot of the guys. I realize it's like put it this way, okay? Like if you're a fan and you get upset, trust me, the guys that were in the trenches and beat the the fuck out of themselves for 60 minutes they're not feeling the same way you are after the game oh yeah no i've seen that i've seen that play out firsthand where you know i mean i'm still over here seething drinking myself into a rage and then there's instagram videos of like the bills players at dave and busters and they're just like (laughs) who gives a fuck so i don't get upset i just i just i get dumbfounded and I, i may vent a little bit I may want to fire a few people, but, you know, but like get upset, like physically upset. No, like, yeah. Tua did not ruin Christmas. The Dolphins did not ruin Christmas. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. It that was you, competition. It's good that you still managed to enjoy your holiday. I will say that his epic collapse won me my fantasy day and sent me to my, my league Super Bowl. This is how wild this is. The guy I'm going up against has Tua and Tyreek Hill. Both of them are slated. He's slated to crush me. I end up winning by 10 points. 
Each one of those interceptions that he threw took the ball out of your offensive hands. So Tyreek Hill didn't get another catch down the stretch there. And those three turnovers cost him nine points. I won by 10.2 points. <laughs> the Miami yeah, Dolphins were, literally handed him a loss. Yeah, you were, you were, you were pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty lucky. And, and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I took a lot of enjoyment out of watching this thing go down. The three interceptions. Now, you're a film guy. I know you like to dig into the nuts and bolts of how things work. In real time, as I'm sitting here watching it play out, it looked like Tua either threw it almost like how when Madden glitches out. It's one of the reasons I stopped playing the game. I'd go to throw a pass, and the ball would go to the defensive player. Like, your wide receiver's there. You know where you threw it, and the ball will veer off on a traje- like an impossible trajectory directly into the defender's hands which just makes you smash controllers, or maybe that's just me, or he threw it into a window that was almost so predictable that you watched the defenders realize it was actually happening and just meet the ball there. Now, when you went back and watched the film on it, which of these two scenarios do you think is more likely? That Tua pre-throw tipped his hand as to where he was going? Or that schematically McDaniel's offense has become easier for defensive coordinators to figure out in terms of their most used windows and some of their tendencies? Uh, neither. Um, okay. okay. Uh, I'll take you through all three interceptions. The first one is completely a physical issue. He overthrew Tyreek. Okay. And he even said so. He said he tried to layer it, layer it over a linebacker and he pushed the ball too far. If you watch the play, uh, the ball's actually perfectly in line. He sails it. He puts it over Tyreek Hill's head. So, you know, that's a physical mistake. The second one, uh, Raheem Mostert kind of screwed him on it, okay? Uh, it's a glance route. When you, have a, when you run a glance route, you run right down the hash. You look in front of you. If you have a safety over the top of you, then you got to cut it short into the short zone. If there's no safety, you keep going. That's why it's called a glance route. You're actually looking. You're looking back at the quarterback. You're looking forward. Uh, Raheem Moser kept running to a through the, the short one. So he threw the short sit. So that one is on Raheem Moser completely. The third one was a complete brain fart is all you can say because it's cover six. It's, uh, it's cover two, cloud six, okay, which means that they're trying to take away the outside hashes, and they're giving you everything to the middle, to try to rally and tackle. A lot of defensive coordinators will call something like that early in a two-minute drive just to assess what your route tree was going to be like and know what you're going to do on the next next drive, right? So they're giving you eight yards, all right? So as soon as he sees the alignment, he has to know it's cloud six, cover two, which means that there's going to be a roll-up on the outside from one of the two corners, Possibly both, right? Mm-hmm. So just throw the first read. And the first read there was a short slant to Tyreek Hill. He didn't. He tried to throw the deep out to to Gasecki, which was essentially kind of triple covered. So, you know, it was it was it was a complete brain fart. It's a, it's a mistake he hasn't made all year, and he made it there. And as it turns out, uh, you know, it, <laughs> our coach in film review decided, are you concussed? Well, and I was going to say, it's funny you use the term brain fart, because now we're here talking about, you know, days after the fact, we're talking about concussion symptoms, and now he's out, and you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater, and all of these things that come along with it, and 
obviously there was a lot of speculation in the aftermath. You know, how much did this did, was he concussed? How it's hard to argue with like, hey, you had twenty points. He hits his head and really things grind to a halt after that, and that's when the mistakes start happening. So, well, the, <clears throat> the, some some guy did the numbers. He had ten completions for two hundred and twenty nine yards. Yep. And as far as the interceptions, he had 13 completions for 302 yards before the first interception. Okay. So he was working on one of his best games of his career before the interceptions. But, you know, in the middle of those interceptions, he had some spectacular throws on that drive that ended in, with that interception to Raheem Mostert. And so that and was you remember your, the, well, and and you the question, play. because, uh, well, again, one of the narratives that's being built here is that, well, he got concussed. Obviously, he's no longer capable of playing quarterback, and they should have pulled him. But to your point, he was making some decent throws here and there before the mistakes. Yeah, and, and don't forget, the play before, you know, um, Raheem Mostert, the interception to Raheem Mostert, he throws a crossing pattern to Jalen Waddell, Who's just getting better every single week? I gotta say, the guy, what a gem! Like, what a draft pick that was. He makes a great throw to Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle makes a guy miss, and he's all the way down to the eight yard line, first and goal. We're about to take the lead, and this game is starting to look like the Detroit game where we just pull away in the fourth quarter. And here comes a flag, and sure enough, we lined up illegally. <laughs> we, we didn't cover the tackle, <laughs> so the very next play, we saw what happened. So, you know, it was it was a bunch of different things. But, yeah, the three interceptions, they're easily explained. One is a physical issue. The second one was a schematic issue. And the last one was a, a brain fart by the quarterback. So two were completely responsible for two, uh, half responsible for the other one, which is the one to Mostert. So now you guys are sitting here, the seventh seed in the AFC East, or the AFC, your second place in the AFC East is a division. And your starting quarterback is out for an undetermined amount of time. Teddy Bridgewater was essentially an $8 million insurance policy that your team bought in the offseason to protect you from any long-term injury to your quarterback. Because they said, this is a year we think we can make the playoffs. Now it's here. Like, this is the reason you paid Teddy Bridgewater the money. The question is, what is your level of confidence in him with the defense, the injuries and things, because obviously in the po- in the preseason, when you guys put all this together, you're looking at on paper, what should be one of the AFC strongest defensive units. You guys should be what the Jets are now. Injuries have depleted a lot of that. It's forced trades. It's forced schematic changes. It's for it's forced you guys to adapt. So knowing that you don't have a defense that can for games at a time carry an offense that maybe scores less than 24 a game. What's your confidence level in Teddy Bridgewater to get things done moving forward? Well, the confidence is high because we're playing Mac Jones and the Patriots. Okay, so it's, so it's basically based on the opponent, not so much. Yeah, Teddy now on Teddy Bridgewater, like there's no way to judge him really, okay? He comes in against Cincinnati, plays pretty well, but you know he was having a hot dog and a beer, and they tell him, hey, run in there. <laughs> Our quarterback's on the, on the deck. And, you know, he didn't know what to do. And I thought he played all right against Cincinnati. He threw the crucial pick when he was driving for the game-winning drive. People forget that. People forget that Miami was driving to win the game at the end against Cincinnati. And Teddy threw a, a what was essentially a game-losing pick. 
Okay. Then he's slated to start against the Jets, plays one snap, and some spotter somewhere, some ghost with binoculars, says he has to leave the game. Yeah, where was so, that guy on Sunday, by the way? Where was that guy yeah. on Sunday? <laughs> like, he could have spotted Tua when he got hit, you know, on that play, which, yeah. eerily enough, he was hit pretty much the same way. Defensive yeah. player twists him around, slams him on his head. So, you know, pretty much the same thing. And then, you know, the Minnesota game, Teddy was really not expecting to play. Skylar Thompson starts the game, looks great. Skylar Thompson breaks his finger. Talk about luck, right, at the quarterback position. He breaks his finger. Teddy has to come in, and Teddy lights the world on fire against Minnesota. But it's too little too late. He's driving for the game winner, and then Jalen Waddle fumbles the ball. When it was going to be a huge play, it looked like he was going to score on that one, but he gets stripped. He fumbles, game over on a on a strip fumble. So you know we really don't know. Like overall, I guess you got to say he's played well when asked this year. But you know the mission is kind of clear. You know New England's not very good. You're you're healthy enough to beat them, okay, and you still have some of those offensive weapons. Create a game plan around what you have and just beat them. Make the playoffs. And then we'll see about Tua in two weeks. And the great thing about this is the the Jets are going to lose to Seattle. So if you beat New England, you clinch, and then you could just, you know, rest everybody the following weekend. Figure it out in two weeks. A lot has been a lot of our conversation this season has been focused on this idea that the Dolphins have made so many strides as a team compared to where they used to be. You know, compared to the team that was the Brian Flores team that flirted with the playoffs in 2020 and were uh, kind of a joke in 2021. Um, just you're talking about all of the optimism that you guys had earlier in the season. Is it frustrating to you seeing that even though all of these positive changes obviously taken place record wise, the team is still in the same position? No, because I've seen it. I've seen it before. It's happened to teams just as talented. It happens all the time. There, there's teams that are really, really good. This is the NFL. Injuries are a factor. Injuries can short circuit any single team. Man. Kansas City looks Kansas City looks overwhelming every single week because of their quarterback. Right? What happens if Patrick Mahomes has to miss four or five games, and they get busted down to like the four seed? Trust me, from your lips to God's ears, nothing would make me happier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, and vice versa. You know, you guys have Superman at quarterback. What happens if Case Keenum has to? Although I really like Case Keenum. Okay, and he he became part of a debate on OnlyFans because. Now, we need a you know an expensive backup next year, and he's on my list. So, you know what ha- what would happen to the Bills if they didn't have you know you know they didn't have Superman for for an extended period of time? You know it's it, it's competition. Injuries are a huge factor in this game. You know uh, you you sit back and you say you know what they're still young. They got a little cap space coming up next year. And, you know, the pressure's really on next year. And it'll be sec- the second year in an offensive system. But they've made strides this year. They'll make even more strides. Like, the only way they could really ruin this season is if they miss the playoffs somehow, you know. But they get into the playoffs, you know, they could they have a reasonable chance to have their quarterback for that first-round game. If they win that game, the season is an absolute success. Well, I know? remember that. But as of right now, as of right now, you know, you got to think that they underachieved by a game maybe. You know? I was going to say, I went back, going back to the beginning of the season, you said, you're like, look, a playoff 
a playoff appearance and a playoff victory are basically where we're setting our standard for what we think this season should be. Yes. And so, which I think is the goal of every organization that thinks it's on the right track. You guys are flirting with it. You're right there. It's going to be interesting to see if you guys can seal the deal, bring it all together here over the last two weeks. Why don't you, in the meantime, I, you know, it's it's funny to me, the people. I sent you a DM today of a tweet that bounced, that came back from some bot liked it from like a month and a half ago. But it's funny how many of our listeners have now bought into the OnlyFans thing, if only because they think it's a good avenue to try to heckle you. Yeah, if you want to laugh, I was auditing uh, our patrons because we're doing this switch over now because, you know, Discord is now taking subscri- subscriptions. Yep. So I'm auditing, you know, all the people that are switching over from Patreon to the Discord sub and... And it's going good. And I look at it and I run over one particular name. <laughs> Somebody called Patrick Cleary. <laughs> and I looked at him like I have the power right now to click on his name and banish him forever. Or I could take his three dollars. <laughs> I took his three I took his three dollars. I love I love that Pat Cleary is one of those guys like he's a necessary evil at this point. Like you, yes. it, 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 he's he's a psycho, but he's our psycho, and I love that guy. I I just enjoy the fact that there's people putting money in your pocket specifically because they're like I I heard this guy on a podcast that I love, and I'd love to get to needle him a little bit if I can get the opportunity. Like yeah. th- that's what this whole thing's about. Why don't you tell people where they can sign up and where they can follow you on social? Uh, of course, you could follow us on our Twitter account, the number three yards per carry. You can get our podcast anywhere you get your podcast, and it's the same name. It's the number three yards per carry. Alf Artiaga, Scott Mason, Christian Simonelli, three of the best. They're like the, uh, I forget what the name of it is because it's new. There's something mogul. Oh, good. Mogul something, mogul affiliates or something in AEW. Why do they keep trying to produce new? They're like, guys, we'll put together this. Chris, did a three-man wrestling team ever win anything significant? Well, because of the because of the NWO happening in the late '90s, they got on a, a swing, and it's they have a bunch of factions. So much so that other companies have created the six-man. <laughs> tag team or six man six man division yeah that's a real thing so i I was gonna ask because they didn't have that back when we were kids so anytime you saw three people come together as a crew you were like oh so these guys are either a a bunch of jobbers yeah yeah in fact wasn't there a group called the job squad yeah it was a thing (laughs) but like even if you went back like into the early late 80s early 90s you had the heenan family (laughs) with bobby the brain heenan who just managed a group of people but okay. they weren't they weren't a, they weren't ever a collective item probably unless it was like survivor series yeah but he just came out with like andre the giant and haku and the brain busters <laughs> but you never saw them on camera all together at the same time no and that's it like threesomes almost never work in wrestling unless you're the nwo or DX. Or a guest on the AFC's Roundup podcast, because these guys are great. I love this every single week getting together and getting to do this with them. 
Guys, make sure that you've gone back and listened to our recap of our win over the Bears, our preview of the Bengals, which I think, I think people, I don't know, I don't, Chris, I'm a boob. You, you are. You know that. I know that. At the same time, we we both uh, we both recognize the fact that I maybe know a little bit more than the booze-addled nature of our conversations uh, let on, and I think I did a good job of showing that in our preview show. Yeah, I, I, I do. Hey, listen, not to pat myself on the back too hard, but I think I do an all right job. So, if we're talking about the Buffalo Bills. With their win on Sunday, the Bills checked yet another box by winning the AFC East for the third straight time, which is the first time anybody except New England has done it since the early 90s. The Bills were the last team to win it three times in a row. I like it. So I'll raise a glass to that. You can't drink, but no, I can, even though I probably shouldn't be. So now the Bills are in the playoffs. They're locked in. They, they, they can do no worse than being the three seed. They're locked into one of the top three seeds, and they're booked for at least one home playoff game. Now, stupid question. Will you be attending? No. (laughs) I am saving out that we'll be hosting the AFC Championship game. I already have January 29th off from work to go. So So you wouldn't attend a divisional round game? No. Eye on the prize, AFC Championship game. Wow. That's That's dedication. That's what I'm holding out for. If the Bills win this week, their odds of having the inside track on making that happen for you, being you know, to jump from you know landing the number one seed, getting that wild card by, and then swinging back around, jump from forty four percent to eighty nine percent with a win over the Bengals this week. <clears throat> That's ideal, obviously. But what else is of interest is that with two games left, there is still seeding and matchups to be decided. And that's where, beyond our own games, the NFL slate has some interest out there for Bills fans, and there still are some rooting interests that we should be considering. Obviously, first and foremost, and this is using 538.com's playoff predictor, we'd be rooting for Denver over Kansas City. That's that's pretty much a given, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't need to articulate. I, mean, I don't want to waste your time, but I don't want to arti- need to articulate why that's important. The Bills, regardless of what they do in this game, I believe if the Casey loses, actually, if Casey loses, we win. Doesn't case we lose? Cincy wins. I believe Cincy becomes the one seed, don't they? I believe so, because they got victories over us in Kansas City. And then we would slot in as two because we beat Kansas City. I think we would slide to three because right now we have the same record as the Chiefs. So if we lose, we'd have one more loss. So I think we would slide to three. True. Kansas City would be at two. No, but I'm saying if Kansas City lost this game to Denver. Yes. It's weird. New coach. New, you've seen this happen before where a new head coach steps in and the team like plays one or two games with a brand new set of like a new energy to it. They come yeah. out and win a few games that they shouldn't. I mean, I think back to when the Bills fired uh, Greg Roman and everyone's like, why is a team that just gave up 40 points firing their offensive coordinator? Not their coach, not their defensive coordinator. And then the Bills went on like a small win streak like that it it's happened so who knows I, it, it also it's harder to game plan for if you're kansas city because you don't know what this coach is gonna i mean hackett was doing a lot of the he was heavily involved in the play calling correct i believe so if you call it that 
<laughs> yeah, wh- whatever the hell they were trying to do over there. So now there's no way of knowing exactly what's going to be called, what their tendencies are, how to game plan for situational type stuff. You don't know. You have to throw it all out the window. So you're just showing up hoping that you see the same Denver team you saw before. And if you don't, it's, it's a mixed bag. So good luck to you. Also, Jacksonville over Houston. See, now this is where seeding gets tricky, and you start to look ahead and talk about outcomes. Jacksonville is a defense that allows a ton of points, but their offense has been maybe the hottest in the NFL over the last month, and they've ridden that all the way to the top of the division. For what it's worth, a team with an average but turnover-generating defense and a really hot offense, Chris, that's not an ideal matchup in the postseason, is it? No. Okay. In the event that Buffalo does have to play in the first round, the Jaguars is the last team I want to see. Which means you have to keep them out of the bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they've been riding a hot hand. So if they win, you want you want to see them win the division now. Yes. I, I don't want to see them in the first round. If they were to win the AFC South, it means that Buffalo cannot play them if we do have to play as a wildcard team. It also, Chris, cements the fact that, like, let's say they somehow lose this game and then lose to the Titans in the final week, and the Titans regain the division? I'm for playing the Titans. Well, this is the thing. Jacksonville, I don't think they'd make it, would they? Are they currently a nine-win team? I think so. They they have eight or nine wins. They've been hot lately. Well, because this is my thing. If if they split the diff, right? If they don't win. Seven wins. So, okay. So if they they win both of these, they make it, they win the division. I just don't want to see a scenario where they can sneak in as a fifth seed or a sixth seed and end up in that wheelhouse where Buffalo might end up having to play them in the event that we don't get the one seed. So if anything, you want Jacksonville to win out from here on out just so they win the division so you don't have to see them until at least the divisional round. Same thing with uh, Baltimore-Pittsburgh and Chargers over the Rams. If Buffalo loses to Cincinnati this week, we're the three seed. Should that happen, the Bills could opt to sit their starters. Think about that. There's nothing to play for. Yeah, I don't like that for the stake bet. Nobody does. But, definitely not Greg Thompson. But, it's like they did it in 2019. Okay, there's precedent here. The Bills were locked into a playoff spot. They couldn't win the division, but they were already playoff bound. Seating couldn't be really changed with a win or a loss, so they benched all most of their meaningful players in the final week. So you're, you're talking about having to play whoever the sixth seed is at that point. If Baltimore wins out and so do the Chargers, they'd be looking at the fifth and sixth seed respectively as 11-win teams. I don't mind either one of those matchups coming here to Buffalo, but I'd prefer Baltimore's offense coming here. Wouldn't you? Yeah. You don't know how healthy uh, Lamar is going to be. That only happens if Baltimore gets one more win before the end of the season. And considering that they have to travel to Cincy the final week, this game against Pittsburgh seems like their last best chance to get them there. Right? Yeah. And then the Chargers have the Rams and the Broncos, games that they, because of their quarterback situations, games I think they should win pretty decisively. If the Chargers don't seal the deal on that, there exists a world where we could be looking at another game against Miami in the playoffs. I don't want that. Yeah, it is. Playing somebody three times in a season, that's tricky. It is tricky. And I'll tell you what, both of them were white-knuckle experiences. I don't want to go through that again. For that reason, 
I'm also rooting for New England over Miami and the New York Jets over Seattle. And don't get me wrong, I love Elf. And I love Scott, right? Like, these guys have become friends of ours through this weekly exercise in Shadenford. But with that said, if I have to see any team in the playoffs again, I would rather it be the Mike White Jets over the Dolphins. The Jets have weapons, but not a great support system for them to showcase their abilities. But I think you saw that play out pretty starkly in the last matchup. What Our, our special teams had to gift them two of their 12 points. So, and if Tua is not, now, here's the thing. Does that change if Tua is out for an extended period of time? Would you, like, if you get confirmation, Tua's not just going to miss one week. He's going to miss, like, a month. Or they're going to hold him out indefinitely. Yeah. That Jets, one. Miami. Which one would you rather play? The Jets. You'd rather play the Jets over Miami across the board? Yes. Because we're better than the Jets, and they know it. <laughs> Do you think that they'll just walk in with that stink of defeat already on them? Yes. I, I, I'd I like to believe in that. And honestly, Miami losing another game, I don't even know that it's that weird of a thing. Like when, when people talk about, whoa, it can't happen. Teddy Bridgewater, the, the, we talked about it with Elf, their multi-million dollar insurance policy. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't looked great in these last few games. No. Right? And now they have to go to New England where it's going to be cold. Chris, the record is now 0 10 in games where it reaches below 40. <laughs> I like it. That's hilarious. Like, he's going to. Do you think that looking back at it, McDaniels is going to regret having that shirt made that said, I wish it was colder? Probably. Like, that's a meme that's going to haunt. It's a meme that he created of himself. And it's going to haunt him for a really long time. So since we are playing Monday night, I just pulled up 506 Sports in the coverage map. You would think Buffalo on local television on CBS would get Miami at New England, right? Sure. We live in Buffalo, two teams in our division playing each other. You would think that they would put that on. What do these jokers do? We get Indianapolis at the Giants. The fuck? Yes. And then the other two games we get are late. We get the Jet game and then the America's Game of the Week. Nance and Romo with Minnesota and Green Bay. What, so, a, yeah. what a shit Sunday of football. I, I mean, it is Wednesday and, and these maps just came out. Not going to be surprised if like Friday or Saturday they update it and move us to having Miami and New England. They better, because otherwise, Chris, I got a lot of other things I could do on a Sunday than watch the Giants. Yeah. Chris, there is only one team in New York. Yes. That's right. And that team is already locked into going to the playoffs. That's your Buffalo Bills. Guys, this has been a great season of AFC's roundups. It's almost over. We're down the stretch here. I appreciate each and every one of you who comes out for this, who follows our guests, who interacts with our guests on social media. Even the lunatics like Pat Cleary, where I'm pretty sure Elf's going to get a restraining order against that guy one of these days. Possible. Do you think it'll be the first restraining order Pat Cleary's ever had? No. (laughs) I like how how confidently you answered that. No. (laughs) Guys, I love it. I love that you guys continue to support all the dumb shit we decide to sit behind microphones and do. And I can't wait for another year. Another year of this. 
By the time we record again, it'll be 2023. So from us here at the Rock Pilot Report to you, happy end of 2022. Happy New Year. We'll see you on the other side. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your AFC's Roundup. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.